Hi, everybody. It's Kristen Van Ogtrap from I Want to Like You. I want to ask you a small favor. Here at Panoply, we're trying to learn more about our podcast listeners. We want you to tell us about the podcasts you enjoy and how often you listen to them. So we created a survey that takes just a couple of minutes to complete. If you fill it out, you'll help Panoply to make great podcasts about the things you love and things you didn't even know you loved. To fill out the survey, just go to panoply.fm slash survey, or you can click the link we've provided in the show notes for this episode. That's panoply.fm slash survey, or click the link in the show notes. Hello and welcome to I Want to Like You, a weekly podcast from Real Simple about how to handle the irritating people in your life with goodwill and grace. I'm Kristen Van Ogtrop, the editor of Real Simple, and with me today are Catherine Newman, who is Real Simple's modern manners columnist and expert on all things etiquette-related, and Jeff Heisey, who is the secretary-treasurer of the Association of Flight Attendants, representing the pre-merger United Flight Attendants. And Jeff, I understand today marks a really big day for you. Do you know what I'm about to say? It is. <laughs> I do know what you're talking about today. I start my 30th year with United Airlines. Oh, my God. So Jeff, as you might imagine, has a lot to say on today's topic, which is rude strangers. <laughs> but I want to start actually with Catherine. This was a podcast topic that was suggested by one of our listeners. So thank you all for the topics. Please keep them coming. I want to get to Jeff in a minute, but I want to – one question, line of questioning I have for you is, is it ever appropriate from a polite human relations standpoint to intervene when you see rude stranger behavior. So I'm going to, I'll give you actually two examples. One is I used to live in Brooklyn. And when I lived in Brooklyn, I think about 75% of my time was spent thinking about alternate side of the street parking. <laughs> and, and it really, it was like a full-time job, alternate side of the street parking. And so I, there was a coveted perfect parking spot one day right in front of my apartment and my husband and I parked our car on the street and this rude person parked his car in such a way that he was taking up two spots and I, I don't know if it was like hormones or I was really hot <laughs> or something but it was like it was like I was having a nervous breakdown I was so mad and so I left a note on his windshield explaining to him how selfish he was, <laughs> which is probably not the most mature reaction, but I just couldn't take it. So do you think, should I let that go? <laughs> or that's can, a good question. It's a pretty, um, you know, it's like you don't know the whole situation, right? And is there something that you could be galled to find out in the context of your response? And that's always, I think, honestly, in any situation where you're sort of half observing something, but you don't know the whole story, there might be more of the story that would reveal something to you. If you were to find out that that person, like, screeched up in front of his aging mm -hmm. mother's apartment to run up and, like, resuscitate her... You exactly. would feel like the biggest jerk. Right. And you actually don't have any idea. Probably that's just a really selfish, annoying person. I don't doubt it. I would, I would want to write a note, too. I, don't, I would try not to write a note for that very reason of that awful feeling of being wrong about something. Mm -hmm. But, I, you know, it's like what you want to point out to someone is, hey, we're sharing the planet. 
You know, you get your little space right. and I get mine, and that's how it works. Then again, you don't always know the whole story. Right. And I will say for listeners everywhere, it didn't make me feel better writing that note. It didn't? <laughs> so, not really. <laughs> I mean, this is now decades later, and I still remember this. So clearly I have unresolved psychological issues related to alternate side of the street parking. So I, I want to get Jeff in here because, Jeff, yeah, when, when there's a woman who works at Real Simple named Caitlin Peary who does a lot of heavy lifting when it comes to this podcast. And so we were trying to think about what sort of interesting individual could we have appear on this podcast to talk about rude strangers. And she came up with a great idea to have someone who works as a flight attendant because, you know, we all read – stories of outrageous, mostly celebrity behavior, which is why it gets into the news. Celebrities doing crazy things on airplanes. Well, celebrities and rich people, I guess I should say. But have you witnessed rude stranger behavior in your I understand you haven't always worked as a flight attendant in your 30 years at United. But um, even before you were a flight attendant and working for United, what would you say about your fellow man in, in what you have witnessed? Well, I think it's really sort of interesting that you started out the conversation talking about a parking space, because the reality is, on board the airplane, everybody's got a parking space. <laughs> so it's, all about, it's all about getting into that parking space in a way that doesn't infringe on the other people who are there with you. And, you know, we we have a very unusual environment as flight attendants because... You know, there are so many interactions. It's not only the interaction with that passenger with the flight attendant. It's the interaction between the passengers and and the dynamic of how I, as a flight attendant, react with a passenger and how that impacts other passengers and how they see how we're responding and, and how that can sometimes, it can sometimes change the dynamic. You know, we often have passengers who come to our aid, you know, when you've got that person who's just being incredibly rude and somebody will say something to them about, you know, hey, the guy just asked if you wanted something to drink, you know, he's not asking, you know, for anything more than that. You know, that was rude. Sometimes, uh, you know, people will do it that way. And at the end of the day, what what I've learned to do is I've learned that when I get to a point where I'm losing respect for the person I'm interacting with, I'm losing mm-hmm. respect for myself, and I don't let that drive me anymore. And in terms of where we're at relative to how customers treat us, um, in the service industry, a large part of that is driven based on how management creates the expectation mm-hmm. for the customer. So, you know, in, in years gone by, I mean, I, I remember when I, when I worked as an agent, uh, there was a man who... I remember the day, I remember the gate, I remember where I was standing in much the same way you remembered writing that note to that person who, you know, took up the parking space. And he walked up to the gate and it was simply a matter of his flight arrived late and Mm -hmm. he missed his onward flight. And I remember watching him take his garment bag and literally throw it at me. Oh. And, oh, it, it, you know, I ducked. <laughs> I ducked. He, he didn't hit me. And I just kind of looked at him, and it was very interesting because there was a supervisor on the other side of the gate room who saw this. Right. And um, the supervisor came up, and the man proceeded to explain uh, how important he was and how big of a customer he was and all of that stuff. And the supervisor very calmly looked at him and said, and we genuinely appreciate your business, and we genuinely appreciate the fact that you selected United but what you need to understand is that you can't throw luggage at our employees, and so we're going <laughs> to refund your ticket, and we're going to welcome you to fly in somebody else. 
and that was oh. that was a wow. border, you know, a boundary that was established. Um, and you know, this is some years ago, you know, where we where we basically said this is not acceptable behavior. And right. I think it's sort of a lack of that kind of leadership sometimes from management that creates some of this stuff, you know, where people get rewarded when they write in and they complain about certain things. I mean, you know, yes, as a flight attendant, you know, our our job is to provide service to the people on the airplane, and we understand Mm -hmm. what that role is. But we have that dual role also of, of the safety issue, and there are things that people have to understand when it comes to being on board an airplane, there is an expectation that you are going to comply with the direction of the crew members on board that airplane. And you can't leave that in an environment that's ambiguous in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. It has to happen. Okay, so to put no, this I, I in like... Though, wait, Chris, Kristen, don't yeah. you feel like when you think about airplanes too, though, I mean, I think about when I was a kid and I flew on a plane for the first time, it was like you were going to the theater. Like I wore my best shoes. Oh, yeah. Right. And it was like a formal thing. You know, it was everyone on the plane was sort of dressed in their best outfits and everything was sort of that high old school courtesy. Right. And, you know, like I said before, I think that, I think that kind of situation is a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. And what's expected of a service person in that situation is is really quite arduous. But then there's something about the casual culture that I think also makes people feel like it can just all hang out in this kind of ugly way sometimes. Yeah, right. And I don't, I don't know that I would disagree with you on that. And, and, you know, the other part of it, again, is about reconciling all of the different levels of expectation within that environment. So you mm-hmm. have that more senior traveler who's accustomed to a very, very different experience flying. You've got that business person who has a different expectation in terms of what's happening. And then you've got that casual or first-time flyer, you know, who's coming out who has saved for years and years and years to get that trip to Hawaii or, you know, wherever it is that they're going. And their expectations sometimes aren't actually aligned with what the industry is prepared to provide. And that, that is really creates the issue. So I feel, so Jeff, is what you're saying a little bit that the whole industry has changed in such a way that it's making people crackier? I mean, am I oversimplifying? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't um, mean people on your end. I mean the passengers. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I would have to say that, I, you know, again, I, I really, I'm really a little bit hesitant to describe, you know, our customers as cranky. But, you know, oh, the I reality know. is that people's <laughs> expectations are, you know, people's expectations are different. Yeah, and the yeah. ability of those of us who are in the service industry to meet those expectations, especially those that are created by the managements that are running our airline, is really where it is problematic. And it yeah, is creating right. these circumstances that are confrontational when really they shouldn't be. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk for a minute with both of you about, you know, basically dealing with your fellow man when you either witness rude behavior or rude behavior is directed at you. When you see someone, you know, yelling at their child in a way that seems really, you know, not for public consumption or, you know, two people on an airplane, like, do should you always kind of mind your own business when you see an interaction between other people? Or is there a time when you really need to say, okay, time out, we need to change the dynamic here. I, um, you know, I feel like if you're, you know, you, it's like you check in with yourself about what your own response is. Are you, 
are you filled with righteous indignation, in which case you should probably, you know, sit quietly with yourself. If it's something where you may be able to help, you know, if compassion is going to actually smooth something over, I'm thinking especially about the kid, right? Because Mm -hmm. obviously if you say to a parent, oh, don't yell at your kid, you're going to make that kid's life really a hellhole. That, mm-hmm. The parent's going to get home and yell all the more at that kid. Now you embarrass me in public, yada, yada. And so I feel like that the move there should always be like, you know, A, again, I don't know this. I don't know the whole situation. I'm seeing a piece of something. I don't really know anything about it. And B, is there a way I could help? And even if it's just by extending compassion, because chances are whatever is the frustrating thing, you've been there. So... Mm-hmm. It's that thing where, like, I would say to someone in line at the supermarket whose kid is melting down and they're screaming at the kid, and, you know, it's like, can you say, oh, man, I've been there? Because that, I think, is helpful. I think Mm -hmm. you say that to a parent, and it is a huge relief, and it's a compassionate offering. And then it's like, oh, can I whack you out to the car with your grocery cart? Or, you know, just something, because judgment's not going to help anybody. Mm -hmm. A, it's sort of none of your business and you don't really know the situation and be whatever that person's rage is coming from your judgment's only going to feed it mm-hmm. so that's so what I, I feel I, like. I couldn't agree with you more on that is what I was going to say I mean and, and for me that is I will always get involved when I see it's a situation involving a parent and a child for no other reason than to protect the parent from themselves mm. you know and i always will step in and and i will always do exactly as you suggested the is there something i can help you with you know do you need a minute you know can i you know can i do something can i help you you know just to sort of change that dynamic to give that parent sort of that perspective of you know what there's other people around, you know, kind of a deal. And, uh, you know, and sometimes it's just a matter of interacting with the kid and saying, you know, geez, you know, you're a really good helper. You know, it's good that you're here, you know, and where you change that dynamic and you, you just sort of indirectly influence that other thing. And I agree with you, the judgmental part of it is never going to work because all that's going to do is inflame the circumstance. But if you can mm-hmm. give the person some sort of a rope or, or something to sort of hang on to for a minute to regain their bearings, I've always sort of found that that's been really pretty successful. Okay, so one last question for both of you. I mean, we've been talking a lot about when you witness rude behavior, whether you're on an airplane or elsewhere. Do you have, and and Jeff, let's go to you first. You know, you obviously, aside from the ability to duck when someone throws a garment bag at you, I'm sure you have a lot of patience and skills related to kind of keeping your own emotions in check, right? And maintaining that respect for the other person and for yourself that you talked about earlier. Is there anything you tell yourself or is there any tip, little psychological trick you use on yourself to keep your cool and emerge from the situation with your dignity intact that you could share with our listeners? Well, I probably the best thing that I do is I sort of look at the person and I begin to sort of formulate a question in my mind. And generally the question is something like, what is that person thinking? And I mm-hmm. have, I have cued myself to the point that the minute I ask that question, I realize they're not, <laughs> they didn't, <laughs> they weren't thinking. And so, you right. know, I mean, that clearly there's something that is happening in this person's life that has solicited, you know, this sort of reaction and it elicited it. And it's just, you know, mm-hmm. it's just sort of come out. And um, I pretty much try not to 
engage that person. I pretty much try not to make it worse. I try not to internalize it. And would you say that's effective for the most part? I have found for me it's it's been very effective. You know, you have to put a little bit of a, a, a little bit of distance there. I mean, you know, and, and it's the humanity part of it. I mean, you know, it's we all recognize that we've all had a bad day um, mm-hmm. once in a while. And, you know, where you've said something to somebody and you're like, you know what, I didn't mean that. I really wish I hadn't said that. And, you know, you sort of recognize, you know, sometimes once those things are said, you can never take them back. And right. one of the things that I also um, very much remember is people don't, always remember what you said, but they do always remember how you made them feel. And, oh. um, you know, if you kind of keep that sort of foremost in your mind, I think that's one of those things that really does help in the customer service environment to try mm-hmm. to navigate these incredibly difficult people with very oftentimes unrealistic demands. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay, Catherine, how about you? I, I will share the mantra that um, I say to my kids all the time, which is, you know, that at the end of the day, all you really have is your own behavior, how you mm-hmm. acted. It's the only thing you can control, and it's kind of the sum total of how you feel. And I try really hard to remember that because I know I'm never going to be lying on my deathbed, like, wishing I'd been a bigger jerk. You know, mm-hmm. wish, I wish I'd blown up more people. I wish I'd, you know, been more reactive. I just, I know that's not going to be how I feel. Like, I feel so filled with regret when I'm reactive. Mm-hmm. And so I just try to remember that at some point I'm going to be lying in bed, it's going to be the end of the day, and if I have been my most compassionate, generous, you know, meeting someone halfway self, I'm going to feel pretty good, regardless mm-hmm. of how that person has acted. Yeah. So you just need to, I guess for the rest of us who are more mortal sounding than you, Catherine Newman. Oh I guess God, we need to. I'm the mortalist. <laughs> I think we need to train ourselves, train ourselves in the moment to think about that moment when you're lying in bed and thinking, you know, my behavior is the one thing I can control, and how did I, I do I today? I mean, isn't that the most mortal thing of all? Like just wanting not to feel like a jerk. That's my, right. I, that's like one of my yes. operative goals. I think that's a really good call. It's just sometimes it's hard in the moment, but I'm going to keep trying. Okay, I me haven't, too. Listen, I haven't written a note and put it on anybody's car since that one time. So <laughs> maybe I'm learning something. <laughs> okay, you two. Well, I'm afraid that's all we have time for today on this week's episode of I Want to Like You. Thank you so much, Catherine and Jeff, for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Our producer is Zach Dinerstein. Please let us know what you think of the show. Our Twitter handle is at Real Simple, or you can tweet irritating ideas to me at KVanOgtrop. A number of you are already doing that, and I really appreciate it. For more on irritating people and how to handle them, go to realsimple.com, and please subscribe to us in iTunes. For Catherine Newman and Jeff Heisey, I'm Kristen Van Ogtrop. Thanks for joining us.